And um, there's some rumors in the early part of chapter 20 that the tomb is empty, that the body's gone. And this is pretty troubling for the disciples, for those that really love Jesus, that the women that were going to um, take care of the body. And, um, and I guess that there is some closure when you have a loved one pass away. There's some closure of being able to go to the tomb. When I was in Baltimore, my mom is buried like right next to where my brother lives in a, in a very simple um, cemetery. And we went there to visit her grave. And I hadn't been there since we, she had been buried. And, um, and that's because I, she's in heaven. And when I go to the tomb, it's just not for me like real that she's there, she's in heaven. But we went there and I just was thinking that, you know, there's some closure seeing a tomb or seeing a, um, a body or something like that when, when, um, when someone that you truly love passes. But here, there's an empty tomb. And this is causing some confusion. This is causing some fear. But primarily the disciples, and I don't know if you've been in that before, but um, disciples that were in fear, and this was a kind of fear that was a guilty fear. And I'll explain what I mean here. When Jesus was being tried, the seven, the seven trials that were illegally arranged against him with false evidence, um, false, um, false accusations, uh, all of his disciples, even the ones he loved the most, left. They fled. They exited. And can you imagine the fear, uh, letting, you know, letting someone down, um, feeling guilty, in some ways maybe even feeling that his death is on, is on you, that you're in some way responsible. And so the, the fear here that the disciples have is a guilty fear. Have you been in a situation before where it's been so difficult or so hard that one of the first things we do is we kind of blame ourselves, don't we? We say, I should have been a better parent. Or I should have been a better I should have been I should have been a better teenager listening to my parents. Or I should have been I should have done that differently. Or if I had done this in a different way, I wouldn't be in this way. And we always kind of look at ourselves, don't we? And this is the enemy's this is the enemy's strategy, okay? The devil wants to accuse you in the middle of a trial that God has allowed to bless you and to promote you. Let me say that again. Trials come our way. Trials come our way so that we would be blessed, that we'd be promoted, and that we would discover something about God's people and about God himself that we didn't know before. Okay? If we don't understand the purpose of trials, we're going to live in wasted suffering. Wasted suffering is when something happens in our life with the purpose of showing us something about the nature and the characteristic of his word, the reliability and the veracity of his promises, and the amazingness of the body of Christ. How many times have you and I been in a very hard time and somebody just, they don't even know it, in the body of Christ says something to you and you're like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Thank you, that just set me free. And they don't even know what that meant. It's Christ speaking to us. And I think that we need to understand that hardship and trials in our life are sent to us to promote us so that, number one, to promote us in the kingdom of God to a place of blessing, but also to be in a place where we can discover something much deeper about who God is and much deeper about our friendships. Amy Carmichael said this, and she was a missionary in India. I don't know if you've heard of her. Uh, if you haven't read any of her stuff, please read it. She was an um, amazing, amazing woman of God. Um, tremendous, tremendous. And she had an accident where she couldn't really walk anymore and walk into, 
you know, different places to minister. And what happened was that she was laid out on her bed and uh, people would come to see her and she would share with them. She began to write. And she said, she, incre- she went through so much self-introspection when she was suffering and she said, she was thinking in some way, maybe this would be my fault. Or maybe God's chastising me something. Maybe God's punishing me for something. And that is what we as guilty creatures do. We, uh, without the Holy Spirit filling and without the quickening of the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 2, we're, gonna, we're going to default to guilty thinking, right? I lost that friendship because I was a bad person, or that happened because of this. Um, let's not think in such base ways. Um, and there may even be natural reasons, but remember, in the kingdom of God, in your life, there's something happening that's much higher. There's purposes in your life that are much higher than what's happening to you naturally. And so this is, we need to think this way, because if we don't, and I have to say this to myself all the time, that there's something else higher going on in my life, and that is that God wants to reveal something to us, to me. And I'm going to discover something about who he is. And so the disciples are sitting in this room. Why? For the fear of the Jews. Why are they afraid of the Jews? Because they in some way are guilty. Because what I want to say about fear, fear is something that we experience when the love of God, when we're not fellowshipping with the love of God in our heart. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Love of God is shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. When we read the word, when we're in times in prayer, when we're together in fellowship, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And we discover something, and that brings in brand new perspective. Um, Don't try to assess things that have happened in your life the last few days without being filled with the Holy Spirit and without being filled with this and without first understanding God's love to you. Because I think that sometimes when we try to assess things and try to take deal with things and take care of things that have hit us really hard without first saying, Lord, I, I don't have capacity to think about that right now. I just need your thoughts about who I am right now. And that may mean, that may mean a time out, you know? Time out, we, we, we do a time out for our kids when they're in trouble. But time out for us means that we can go and just have a time out with the Lord and say, Lord, just love me. Just love me right now. Fill me. I love what happened with Daniel, the prophet. In the book of Daniel, he's in a place where he is, he is being used by God mightily in Persia. And God shows him something, and something is going to happen. And he's so blown away, and he's so, he's so, like, so impacted by what the Lord showed him that it said all the strength in his body left, and he was just on the ground. He was, he was just out of, he just had no more breath, no more energy, no more vision, no more motivation for anything. And he was God's man, and he's laying on the ground, and it says, then it says this, and I love this, I think it's Daniel 10. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It says that one came to me, in the similitude, the likeness of the sons of men. And who was that? Jesus Christ. And he touched me. And he, then he, and he put, me, and put me on my feet. I think if we can allow the Holy Spirit, if we can allow God to speak to us through his word in these moments, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but here are the disciples, and they're feeling, they're in this room, they're living in fear, they're living in isolation from the love of Christ, they're living in guilt, they're, 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 and that's what, this is what fear and guilt does to us. It isolates us. It puts us in a place where we don't want to talk to anybody, right? It puts us in a place where we feel like, I don't, I'm not worthy of these friends. I'm not worthy of this church or I'm not worthy of, of anything. And it puts us in a place of isolation and we're living in fear. And that's what fear does. Fear leads to anxiety. And anxiety is this feeling of what 
is this deep-rooted um, feeling that we have, and it has no object. Fear has an object. I'm afraid of spiders. There's a spider. I'm afraid of, you know, financial ruin, or I'm, af- I'm afraid of, you know, uh, political turmoil in my country, or that's a phobos. That's something I can point at. But anxiety is, is abstract. It's when I don't take this book right here, the criteria of my thinking and the criteria of my faith and the criteria of my joy, and I don't apply it to the situation. When things happen to you, just go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about this? Don't go to Facebook. Don't go to social media. Don't go to just what does the book say about this situation? And when we take the word and we apply it to what we're living in fear about, then the love of God rushes in and we're okay. But I think if we don't do that, when, and we don't a fellowship, keeping ourselves, it says in the book of Jude, in the love of God, which means guarding ourselves, allowing the love of God to guard us. When we don't do that, then we go to the next step, which is anxiety. And we just, you know, this becomes so undefined in our mind. There's so many things that we're afraid of that are happening that it just kind of, it's kind of like this low hum. At the beginning of the service, we had a low hum, and it was from our, from our air conditioning unit over there. And it's like this low hum, right? And it's like, it's, you know, you don't even know it's there until it's turned off. You ever have a, a sound in, the, in your car or in your house that, or wherever you are and you don't know it's there until it's turned off? It's that low unconscious um, uh, hum that, 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 uh, that annoys us, that tires us out, that wearies us. And that, that's just phobos, it's just unresolved. This thing that we have not resolved in the mind of God. And when that happens and we slip into anxiety, anxiety is this abstract feeling when we're, you know, suppressing things. I got this, you know, I can do this. And we're not, we're not approaching it from God's perspective. So here they are in the, you know, they are in this place. Doors were shut where the disciples were assembled. Now think of this verse and then Acts chapter 2, don't turn there. What an incredible difference. The disciples are outside. Doors are open. They're preaching open air. They're extremely vulnerable. They're, the power of God is when people are getting saved. Thousands of people are coming to Christ. Disciples have no fear to like these apostles are preaching about, and you crucified Christ. Peter's saying, and you crucified Christ. And they're thinking, Peter, didn't you? It's like, but you crucified Christ. And Peter's not living in any sense of guilt or any sense of fear. And he's preaching. What happens? Well, this is what happens. The next thing here we read. Where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them. I was thinking about this this morning. Remember when, the Jew, when Jesus and the disciples, when the disciples were like, Master, we perish. Remember a few weeks when we talked about, Master, we perish. And then Jesus gets up and rebukes them, rebukes their faith. Oh, ye have little faith. Does he do that here? No, he doesn't. What's the difference? Jesus is not rebuking his disciples here. Why? He's resurrected. Because Jesus is now in Romans chapter 8, verse 3. He's paid for sin in the flesh. He's paid for our sin in the flesh. And when he comes to his disciples, it's only one word that he's saying to them, and that's peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. And he's saying this. It's not just saying, may the peace of God be upon you. I hope that's, you know, we can, we can say that in English, you know, may that be. But here in the Greek context is saying that peace is on you. You have peace with God. We're okay. When they see Jesus' face, I'm, I'm sure that they probably thought, oh my gosh, there he is, the guy that I just denied. I betrayed him. I, you know, I left him and he did so much for us and he, you know, and, and look at me, I walked away, and what does Jesus say? He says, before anything could happen, he says, we're good. Peace with God. Peace be unto you. I want to say that to you this morning in this very brief message and simple message, that if you're in a place where you don't think 
that you're okay with God. You think that there's maybe your parent or maybe your husband or maybe I don't know what, where you're at in your life and you can kind of look at yourself in your, in your quietness when you're quiet, when you're alone and your mind drifts back to the hey, I should have, could have, would have. Instead of living in that two-sided tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we need to go back to that tree of life, which is Christ. And Christ stood in the middle of them. I love that. Just think of that. Just, you know, and this is, this is how we meditate on Scripture. Just, you don't go think, we don't go through things real quick, but just meditate on that. Like in your mind's eye, just think about, here's scared guys, scared men. They're nervous. They're worried. They're pacing back and forth. They're upset. They're, you know, they've got indigestion probably. They're freaking out. And then Jesus is standing in the midst of them. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? He stood in the midst of them. And what does that speak of? It speaks of love, acceptance. Jesus has invited them and permitted them to be in his personal space. And why? Because Jesus loves these disciples. He loves these men. He loves you. He loves us. Jesus stands in our midst. And no matter what's going on in our life, he stands in our midst and he says to peace be unto you. And when he said this, and how can he say that? Hey, it's all good, guys. Because, you know, forgiving someone when, when something has been done and something has been hurtful and something has happened, it's, we can't just say, hey, you're okay, it's all good. There has to be, we're built in a way that there has to be in some way, some kind of a sense of justice, something that we can point at. Say, hey, it's all good because you paid your debt. Or it's all good because you served time. Or you did that and, and we're all good now, so we're, we're tallied up. And I was thinking this morning that there are people that have done time in jail. They come out of jail. Uh, they become believers. But um, in the society that we live in, their record never goes away. And wherever they go, though they may be totally changed and maybe they've been, maybe something, even they've gotten saved, the record still stays in the civil records. But with God, that record has been wiped clean. That record doesn't exist. That person is no longer who, what they did. These disciples are no longer the betrayers, the forsakers, the failures. Jesus comes to them. Why? Because justice. And this is something that is very, it's very important that we understand about peace, is that we have peace with God because of justice. Justice has been exacted. We're built in a way that we can't just say have peace with God. We have to understand the depth of, of Calvary's suffering. We have to understand the cross. The blood was shed. Our sins were upon him. And the iniquities of us all were upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And what that means is that when we begin to understand the, the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins, then we are, there's a healing that begins in our, in, in our life. And this is what happens. He says, he's in the midst of them and he says, peace be with you. And he said to us that he showed, he showed them his hands and his side. Why does he do that? Because he has to show them justice has been served. Because these disciples need to understand in their conscience that justice has been served. Not only for the Romans and for the Israelites, but also for them. That they have been... And how does that... How does peace come into our life in the midst of the situation? He shows us his hands. He shows us his side. He shows us that he suffered for us. And that's Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It says we have peace with God. We have peace with God. We are justified by faith. God is at peace in his throne about you and I. And I think that when we come in, you know, it's interesting because I think in some gospels that we would hear 
in American Christianity or Christianity in the world today, we would say, and Jesus came in and delivered them from all of their problems and then they were all great. No, nothing changed. Jesus does not, Jesus does not save them from the Jews. He's not, he does not deliver them from the Jews. Jesus doesn't come in and deliver the, the Hebrew boys that are in the furnace. Jesus is in there with them. And this is what gives us peace. It's not that God, doesn't, it's not that God answers my prayer that everything would be better, but it's God answers the prayer, the deeper prayer, that I can be in this situation and Christ is with me. I can go through this because I have someone that was with me. I have Jesus Christ with me. The presence of Christ. So peace. And this is the closing point I want to make. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a state of mind. It's sta peace is not ignoring the facts. Peace is not ignoring the problem. Uh, peace is not, is not just brushing things aside and sweeping them under the blanket or under the rug because that, because that stays there and that creates anxiety. Peace is, peace is a person. Peace is Jesus Christ. He is our peace in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. He is our peace that has broken down the middle wall between us. That was between us. And he's broken that between us. And now we don't have, we don't have separation from God. That when you and I are in a place where we're seeing something and it's coming at us and it's maybe our own personal failure or someone else's failure. Like I can look at myself or I can blame someone else. I need justice in my heart to look at somebody else's failure. Because if I don't, I'm going to blame them. And that's the same thing as blaming myself. We can't blame people because we have to look at somebody and say, justice has been served for that person. And therefore, I have peace with God about that person. I am at peace in this circumstance. And when we understand that, then we can understand that we can walk through this. And, and, and next week, I want to talk about this. But it, it talks about in Philippians chapter 4, this peace that passes understanding. It comes in and it governs our mind. It governs it. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I'm sure you have. But when you're in a cir circumstance, when you're really suffering, people are looking at you and they're like, I don't know how you're, you're going through this. <laughs> you know, you ever have someone say that to you? Usually, you know, when I, I remember having a dear friend of mine who died of cancer, and I said to him, I, it was harder for me to watch him go through cancer. My mother-in-law went through, and it was harder for me to go through this and for her than, than you know, her, what she was experiencing. And, and she had so much peace with God. Why is that? Because, because we walk through things with Jesus, and we don't smell like fire afterwards. I think sometimes testimonies are important, but I think that sometimes... We put so much emphasis on what I experienced in that circumstance. We're walking around. We just smell like, we smell like toast. We smell like barbecue. We smell like our hair has been burned. And we do that because we want people, we want some compassion. And we want some, you know, we want some, you know, we want some comfort that only can come from Jesus Christ. And nobody can ever comfort us and bring that peace into our heart like Jesus can. And we go to the throne. And that's what it says in, in Philippians chapter 4. But in all things, pray. In all things prayer. I'm going to look at that next week. All things prayer. Bringing your supplications. Making them known unto God. And the peace that passes understanding. It's amazing. Like we walk through something. It's like wow. That's the peace. Why? Because Jesus walks with you. Jesus walks with you. Why can he walk with us? Because there's a cross. And your sins are forgiven. And no longer do you need to blame yourself for circumstances. Yes, we can all day. And that's not going to change anything. We can say, yeah, that's right. Okay, this is what I did wrong. Okay, great. All right. Now let's go to the tree of life and fellowship with who I truly am in Jesus. I'm not denying what happened. 
or what's happening with that other person that I'm not going to say, I don't want to blame them, but I'm going to walk in who I am and that I am, that God loves me, that God is for me, that his grace is upon me, his favor is upon you, that you have the blood of Christ on your life. And if you and I could see how demons and the devil and angels in heaven and Jesus Christ and how all of the spiritual world that we don't see how they look at us with such great honor and such great respect one time maybe do it if I could give you homework this week look at the book of Revelation and look every time read about the bride of Christ and how everybody in heaven is just like whoa that's the bride don't touch the bride you and I are the bride there's such honor and such respect and, and, and demons and, and this whole world, like they understand the blood of Christ is upon you. And we walk around sometimes with our tail between our legs. We're thinking like the tail and not the head. Because we have great honor. We have great respect. We are amazing. We are something incredible. And we are the church that Jesus, that Jesus died for. And this was prophesied in the Old Testament century after century after century that there was going to be this elite group of people and they didn't really know who it was or what it was and maybe it was going to be Israel or what it was but there was going to be this elite group of people that were going to be the most they're going to be the greatest people in the universe and Jesus the Messiah would come and he would create this community of people and that he and he would you know, he would do this and this would be, they would be the thing. And then Jesus comes in Luke 15, the publicans and sinners are gathering around him and they're listening to him gladly. And the Pharisees start realizing, oh no, we missed the boat. It's not us. It's not our self-righteousness. It's sinners that can't do anything about their state that just received a free gift of favor and, and, and they received it by faith. And I just want to say this in closing that, you know, when, when hard times happen to you, don't contract. Don't go in your shell. Don't, don't do what the disciples did. And that's what we do. And if we do that, Jesus is going to show up anyway. We isolate. We separate. We shrink back. The book of Hebrews says that God has no pleasure in that. Faith pleases God. And I, I, like, to, I like to look at it at the moment of grace. When I feel the least worthy, when I feel the worst, when I feel I don't deserve to even ask anything or lift my head towards heaven, I say, I, that's when I ask God for big things. Because that gives glory to God's grace. To the praise of the glory of God's grace in Ephesians chapter 1. These things are given to us. Why? Because he loves us. And I just want to say that we have peace with God today. God's not angry with us. God's not on his throne fretting about us. He's not upset. He's not, he's not the dad he's that not, was always, you know, uh, you didn't do good enough. You got to do a little bit better. He's not doing that. He's happy. He's, he's, he's satisfied and he is he loves us dearly. And I think if we can live in that, the peace of God comes in. You know what? I, when I come to church, all my problems come, just seem so much smaller, don't they? I don't know. That's how it is for me. Like, you know, like Wednesday night we were in here, we were having just a great time of fellowship. I, walked, I went home and I thought, oh man, all my, everything just looks like a, just an anthill. Looked like the Himalayas when I came to church, but when I came out of church, it was like, oh man, that's just like an anthill. Like, what was I thinking? You know, that's why we need the people of God. That's why we need community. Amen.